You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. Well, I want to say thanks to Matt for giving me the opportunity to be here. This is quite a privilege. And I want to say thanks to God for Lost Mountain Baptist Church. You guys have had such a shaping impact on me and on our family. Uh, I just am awed by what God has done through you in our lives. And it's so cool to get to be back with you. Good to see some of you sitting in the same seats you were sitting in 14 years ago. That's kind of cool. And good to see some new faces here that I know God has brought to this special church, and he's got big plans to use you in this church's future. Well, you've probably seen your calendars. You know it's December the 3rd, which, if my math is correct, means Christmas is in 22 days. Christmas requires some preparation. I'm sure you've started that preparation, or maybe you're getting ready to start that preparation. You've maybe made a few meal plans. You've made some travel arrangements, maybe bought some gifts, maybe done some decorating. We did all the decorating at our house last weekend in the officially sanctioned, as soon as you swallow the last bite of turkey, you start Christmas decorations kind of plan that we usually follow. And we had our usual tradition of Gala saying, I think I want to keep it simple this year. And the rest of the family saying, no, you don't. We know better than that. I got the lights hung on the roof, and this year I even tested them before hanging them, which I did not do last year and did not turn out well for me. I got to hang them twice last year. But it's all ready. The house is ready to go. And being here in this place, I'm reminded of one of the Christmas preparation traditions we had when we lived here of taking our kids when they were little to ride the pink pig. And I have been saddened to learn that the pink pig is no more, that that it's gone to the great sty in the sky, I guess. But if you remember this experience, it's, it's something that's kind of hard to explain to people in Kansas City where we live now. They just have no frame of reference for what it's like. So I try to explain that you go to Lenox Mall and you stand in line for hours and then you walk in and you see this pink train with this giant Porky the Pig looking head on the front of it and, and there's this track that would probably fit in your living room. And you get in and you ride around and then you go out to a gift store and pay a gazillion dollars for an ornament that says, I rode the pink pig. That's, that's kind of the summary. But I have to explain that it's an Atlanta area icon that, that rumor has it that when General Sherman and his troops came through, they decided to ride the pink pig. They got so frustrated by the lines that they just burned everything down. And, and that's kind of what happened. But I remember one year in particular, the boys, when they were like six and four, they wanted me to ride with them. And I got in line with them and the cars are tiny. There's room for, you know, a couple people in each car. And, and the, when we got to the front of the line, there were only two cars empty, one at the very front of the train and one at the back. So both of the boys got in the front car. I got in the back car by myself and rode around in shame as lots of parents looked at me wondering who the creepy guy with no children riding the pink pig was. Anyway, Christmas is worth going overboard to prepare for. We do a lot to prepare for it. And we see in scripture that God actually made a big deal out of the first Christmas and he did a lot to prepare for it. He worked for millennia, for multiple millennia to prepare for the first Christmas. I believe that God had the first Christmas circled on his calendar before he even said, let there be light. 
That the coming of Jesus was not some backup plan for God that he decided to try after the law didn't work and the prophets didn't work and all the other Old Testament stuff didn't work. He was building toward the, the arrival of Jesus Christ and what he was going to do through Jesus from the very beginning of time. And these amazing Old Testament stories that we read are nothing more than previews of coming attractions for what God was going to do through Jesus. When we read about these wonderful heroes, these wonderful events, they're just foreshadowing of the real miracle that God had in mind through Jesus Christ. And I want us today to explore a few of those Old Testament high points with the lens of comparing them to Jesus. We're going to see how Jesus compares to these previews, these foreshadowings of who he is. And we're going to do this not just to try to enhance your Old Testament knowledge, not just to prepare you for a good game of Bible trivia. What I hope will happen in these next few moments is that we will become even more impressed with Jesus than we already are. That's the aim. And I believe that that's an important thing for us, that the most important thing for us as followers of his is how clearly we see him. And it's not just important from some kind of theological sense, it's it's super practical because the clearer I see Jesus, then the more hope I'm going to have and the more courage I'm going to have and the more peace I'm going to have and the more joy I'm going to have. And if I have this little tiny view of Jesus, then I'm gonna have a little tiny amount of courage or hope or joy or peace. So I hope we'll leave this place today even more impressed with Jesus than we are. Some of you are just kind of checking Jesus out. You're not sure what you make of him and these stories about him. And it's so cool that you're here to explore it further. I hope your view will be expanded. Some of you have been in church all your life. You believe huge things about Jesus. You believe he's the son of God, that he lived and he died and he rose again. But one thing I know to be true about every single one of us in this room, those of you that I knew 14 years ago, those of you that I'm just meeting this morning, is that we underestimate Jesus. No matter how big your view of him is, you underestimate him. You are not impressed enough with him, with who he is and with what he can do. And so my hope is that this morning we can elevate our view just a little bit. So let's walk through some Old Testament stories. We're gonna do that through the lens of some New Testament stories. If you've got a Bible and you wanna open it, a good place to start would be Matthew chapter 12. We're gonna read several scriptures, but if you wanna follow along with several of them, they're there in Matthew chapter 12. But let's start with the headliner of the Old Testament, with Moses. And Moses is someone that the Bible brags about continually. He's described as the deliverer. He's the one God chose to lead all these slaves from Egypt into freedom. He is a miracle worker. God used him to provide bread from heaven and water from a rock. He is the lawgiver the one that God said, I'm gonna tell Moses and he's gonna tell you what it looks like to be my people. Moses was also the one who was called a friend of God. And the scripture says, the Lord spoke to him face to face. I wanna read to you from Moses' epitaph. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 34. You can't say much more impressive stuff about a human. It says, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. 
Nobody has ever been who's like Moses. That's what Deuteronomy tells us. But then the first Christmas happened. But then Jesus arrived on our planet and he lived this amazing life and he taught these amazing truths and he died on our behalf and he rose from the dead. And lo and behold, look what the scripture says about him compared to Moses. In Hebrews chapter three, verse three, it says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Moses, amazing guy. Jesus, even greater. Moses did some pretty remarkable delivering, but the deliverance that Jesus brings, the deliverance of all who turn to him from sin, the deliverance of all who turn to him from death, that makes rescue from slavery look like not that big of a deal. The miracles that Moses performed, they were pretty impressive, but then Jesus came along and he turned water into wine and he turned sick people into healthy people and blind people into seeing people and he turned dead people into alive people and he walked out of his own tomb. Moses had nothing on Jesus. And Jesus even positioned himself as an improvement on Moses. You see him in the Sermon on the Mount saying repeatedly, you've heard it said, but I say to you, well, you know who he was quoting with all those you've heard it said? He's quoting Moses. You've heard it said, don't murder. I say, don't be angry. You've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. I tell you, don't resist an evil person and turn the other cheek. He's saying, I know Moses told you these things, but I'm telling you the whole story. And then he even said toward the end of his life, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I've loved you that, that supersedes, that, that is even a bigger deal than all the commandments that Moses gave to you, that God gave to you through Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Wow. Well, let's look at another big star of the Old Testament. This, this one, uh, not a person, but an institution. Let's look at the temple for a second. The temple was the very center of the life of faith for the Old Testament people of God. It was the, the visual symbol of the presence of God on earth. It functioned as God's throne, basically. Uh, one writer calls it the umbilical cord that connects heaven with earth. The temple was the place where people took sacrifices to have their sin dealt with. The temple was the very center of their faith experience. There was nothing greater than the temple. But then Jesus came along. Then the first Christmas happened. And look what Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse six. Words of Jesus himself. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Now that's some audacity. Jesus says there is now a better connection point between God and people. There is now a new place to go to deal with the problem of your sin. There is now a new, well, you don't, when you want to encounter God, you don't need to take a trip to Jerusalem, come to me. When you want to be right with God, you don't need to sacrifice an animal at the temple, come to me. And part of what got Jesus arrested and tried and put to death is that he had so much to say about the temple that they considered to be blasphemous. He, he said, that he went into it one time and just started flipping over tables because people were selling things and turning it into a marketplace. He said one time a familiar parable where he tells people, if, if you pray and you have as much faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go be thrown into the sea and it will happen. Well, you know what mountain he was talking about when he said that? The temple mount. You could pray and it'll be gone. 
That sounded blasphemous to the people of that time. There was one time his disciples were walking with him alongside the temple and they say, wow, Jesus, isn't that an impressive building? Look at those massive stones. And Jesus doesn't bat an eye and just says, I tell you the truth, not one stone is gonna be left on another. And about four decades later, the Romans came through and burned the place to the ground and they broke through all the stones to get to the gold and the walls and they cast all those stones down into the valley below and exactly what Jesus said had happened, what happened had happened. For first century Jews, the temple was the greatest thing going. And Jesus comes and says, the temple is a mess in need of cleansing. It's not gonna be around long and something greater than the temple is here. Well, let's look at another set of key Old Testament characters and see how Jesus compares. Let's think about the prophets. The prophets were people who courageously proclaimed the truth of God. They, they gave the word of what God was telling them to say, even when it cost them greatly themselves. Well, what does Jesus have to say? How does he compare to the prophets? Look at Matthew 12, verse 41. Now, something greater than Jonah is here. Are you starting to detect a pattern Are you starting to detect a theme here? Greater than, Jesus is greater than. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the temple. He's greater than Jonah and the prophets. I wonder why he picked this particular prophet as an example. Why not someone greater than Isaiah is here or greater than Elijah is here? Well, partly perhaps because Jonah had a 100% success rate in in a preaching mission to a very dangerous place in Nineveh. But I think also because Jesus knows, as he says elsewhere, you think it's impressive for a guy to come out of a fish alive after three days? Where do you see what I've got cooked up? Where do you see what's gonna happen? He is greater than all of these things. Greater than Moses, greater than the temple, greater than the prophets. Let's look at another category of Old Testament heroes, the kings. Now there are some really bad kings in the Old Testament And some really good ones too, like Hezekiah and Josiah and David with all of his flaws, who was called a man after God's own heart and was the model king. And then his son, Solomon, the king, was seen as a a paragon of wisdom. People would travel from thousands of miles to get wisdom from him. And look what Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 42. Now something greater than Solomon is here. You want wisdom? Jesus is the ultimate source of truth. He is God's logos, God's logic, God's word incarnate in human flesh. He is the source of wisdom. He's greater than Solomon or any other king. And there's another conversation where Jesus tells people, hey, isn't it interesting that we talk about the Messiah is gonna be the son of David, but in the Psalms, David calls him Lord. So he's saying, I, the Messiah, yes, I'm a descendant of David, but I'm greater than David. Jesus is not lacking in self-esteem. We can see this, right? He says he is greater than Moses. He is greater than the temple. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the kings. Well, how about one more Old Testament giant? How does Jesus compare to Abraham? And if you want to get a little advanced notice, turn to John chapter eight. We'll read from there in a second. But Abraham is the source of the identity of the Old Testament people of God. They literally called themselves the children of Abraham. He was their example of what it looks like to trust in God. He was the the man for, for them. How does Jesus compare with Abraham? Well, there's this time that Jesus is teaching and he has the audacity to say that anybody who follows me won't taste death. 
And the crowd says this in reply in John 8, verse 53. Are you greater than our father Abraham? And by now, if you've been paying attention, you probably know the answer to that question. He died, and so did the prophets. You're saying that people who follow you won't die. Even Abraham died. And who do you think you are? This is a huge question. Who, what is Jesus' self-understanding? What, who, how do you get off claiming to have all this kind of authority? And Jesus goes on to say in verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Jesus says, Abraham was looking forward to me. Abraham knew that the promises that God made to him, that he would become a great nation and that God was gonna bless him and bless the whole world through him, that promise is coming true in Jesus. That promise is being fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And they say, you are not yet 50 years old. How? You say you have seen Abraham. Come on, man. You're not even old enough for the senior discount at the Jerusalem diner. And you're acting like you've been around since Abraham. Why would Abraham know you? And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, this is some seriously weird grammar. But that's because Jesus is saying something more than just he's been around longer than Abraham. He's actually saying he's been around in a a different kind of way than Abraham. He's not only saying that he's as old, that he was there when Abraham was there. He's saying he has a different kind of existence altogether. He says, Abraham was born. Uh, The Greek word is genestai. It means he, he came to be. He made his appearance in the world. And Jesus, he, he, he didn't have a beginning. He just is. He says, I am. So he's saying more than, than Abraham and he are both are, have been around for a long time. He's saying that Abraham has a beginning and Jesus doesn't. He's saying there was a time when Abraham wasn't around and then he was around, but Jesus claims that there was never a time when he wasn't there. He claims that Abraham was a created being and Jesus was eternal. I am. It's one of the most audacious things that Jesus said in a long list of audacious things. In fact, he uses that phrase, ego I me, is how it is in Greek. He uses it 23 times in the Gospel of John. And sometimes he uses it to attach divine descriptions to himself when he says things like, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. And sometimes he just uses it in the ultimate sense of saying, I am. Like in John chapter 13, his final big conversations with his disciples, he says, I've told you these things so that you will believe that I am. In John 18, when he's being arrested and about to be put to death and the soldiers come and and they're, they're ready to take him and he says, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. And they fall to the ground. And here in John chapter eight, they ask him, are you greater than Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And as soon as the words left his lips, they started grabbing stones to chunk at the one they assumed was a blasphemer right before them. Now, of course, Jesus didn't make up the phrase, I am. He plagiarized it from God the Father. You might remember the story when Moses was meeting God at the burning bush and he asked God what his name was. God said, he pointed to the the sticker on his lapel that says, hello, my name is I am. 
And here in John's gospel, Jesus reaches out and takes that sticker off the lapel of the father and puts it on his own chest. And he says, I am. He's audacious enough to claim divinity, the divine name for himself. It'd be a big enough deal if they ask him, are you greater than Abraham? And he said, yes. But they ask him if he's greater than Abraham and he says, I am. Who do you think you are, Jesus? I am. It turns out that when Jesus' opponents asked him if he was greater than Abraham, they were setting the bar way too low. Of course he was greater than Abraham and greater than Solomon and all the kings and greater than Jonah and all the prophets and greater than the temple and greater than Moses. The real question is not who he's greater than, but to whom was he equal? He is the I am. Who do you think you are, Jesus? I am. And I hope we can see that scripture makes it clear that Jesus is greater than. Jesus came to complete the mission of Moses. He came to complete the mission of the temple. He claimed to complete the mission of the prophets and the kings and Abraham, and he's greater than all of them. Jesus is greater than. He's greater than any hero in scripture or otherwise. He's greater than any institution. He's greater than any source of wisdom, any source of hope. He's greater than anyone. He's greater than anything. Jesus is greater than. And if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, I want to suggest to you that maybe, maybe you think you have rejected Jesus, but the Jesus that you have rejected is not actually the full, real Jesus. Maybe you've rejected a smaller version of him that's the, the one that you've been taught. Well, I want to tell you, I've rejected that Jesus too. And maybe the real issue is not that you've said no to him, but you just haven't met the real him yet. And maybe this morning he's opening your eyes to who he really is and you're ready to say yes to that Jesus, the real Jesus who is greater than all. Or if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to make it your prayer this Advent season that Jesus will elevate your view of him, that through every opportunity that you have, you will be persuaded that he's even greater than you realize, that you, as high of an opinion as you have of him, you have underestimated him. I hope that you will give him a chance to give you even more of a sense of awe of who he is. And along with that, to receive the hope that only he can give and the courage that only he can give and the joy and the peace that only he can give. Will you pray, Jesus, help me to realize that you are greater than. Would you join me in prayer, please? And after we say this prayer, we'll have a chance to give in response to what we've experienced in worship today. Let's bow together. Jesus, wow, you are more. You are greater than every other thing that would compete with you, every other thing that we think is important, everything that we think matters, everything that we think gives us hope or is available to give us help, you're greater than all of them. Thank you, God, for your plan from before the universe began to send Jesus to us. And thank you for this season in which we can pay attention to him and be awed by who he is and what he can do. Help us now as we continue to worship you to be ready to respond to the good news of who you are and what you can do. In your name we pray, amen. 
For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lmbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today.